0: You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome back to Terps in the Pros on Testudo Times Podcast Network. Matt Levine, Lila Bromberg, and Jordan Gold with you. and We haven't done an episode in a while. There's not really any sports going on, but one of the few events we covered the WNBA draft a little bit on the site. And now we're going to cover the NFL draft here, which happened just this past weekend. So two guys were selected off the Maryland football team and a couple guys signed as undrafted free agents, but the highest pick was in the fourth round by the Pittsburgh Steelers and running back. Anthony McFarlane was selected with the 124th overall selection. So we'll get right into it. Just overall thoughts on, on Anthony McFarland going here in, in the fourth round. Yeah.
1: I, I really like the fit for McFarland. And I, I think this was a fair spot for him to be taken. It seemed like all along he was going to be a day three guy. He didn't have the best season this past season in Maryland. He was really hindered with injuries, but the potential was always there as many of the scouts referenced on TV from that big Ohio state game with almost 300 yards rushing. And I like the fit because as we've seen the past couple years when James Conner has been in that feature back role, he tends to get injured a little bit. So I think that the opportunity is there for McFarland to, uh, you know, get some good uh, carries for this Steelers team.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that you would be looking at maybe him going second or third round if, you know, he didn't deal with that injury this past year. Was really able to build on that freshman season. I think that having that Michigan State game late this year really helped him. Um, You know, I think you could even be talking about a fifth or sixth round pick if you didn't have that Michigan State game this year where, you know, he finally got back from injury a little bit and was able to show the Anthony McFarlane that we're more used to seeing. And so I think that really helped him um, there. And yeah, I kind of expected him to be, you know, fourth or fifth round. So he was kind of uh, around where I expected. And I think the Steelers is a good fit. Uh, for him because, you know, you've James Conner and, you know, some other guys who really uh, never became like signature backs for the team. It seems like since uh, they had Le'Veon Bell leave, there hasn't been that, Well, James Conner has done well, there hasn't been like, you know, that star to emerge there. Um, and Conner's a very different back than he is. And so I think that uh, there's a big room for Anthony McFarlane to really carve out a role there more so than he could on other teams and, uh, their running back coach Eddie Faulkner, in a you know press conference after the draft, just remarked that he really is a lot more explosive than other guys in the room, a different style of runner, and that you know a guy that they can really use out of the backfield. So it seems like they're you know pretty high on him, and I think he could end up being a big you know steal from the draft.
1: One thing about McFarland that was interesting through this draft process is his stock was kind of a little. All over the place. Some people were really high on him; thought he was a big day three steal. Some people were really not into him. You know, you know there were some character issues that were brought up. I saw that an anonymous scout said that he behaved like a child, and his football character is absolutely atrocious. Which okay, I, I would was just really like to
2: speak to that because I what, think I, I think that that made no sense to me and other people I talked to. I don't really know what was going on there, but as someone who's covered him for, uh, you know, two years, I, I can just say that's like not true at all. So I was kind of shocked by that. And I think it was a shame that that became a dialogue around his draft because it's just not true.
0: Something I immediately thought of, cause obviously just being around that environment, knowing what, what kind of guys, he's, he's a very quiet kid. He's not like that as yeah. far as I've seen, but, when when I saw that, I almost thought that maybe a scout was saying that to kind of show other teams not to not to grab him in the draft. I don't know, but maybe let him slide a little bit to the to whatever team maybe wanted him. I'm not really sure, but from what we've seen, it's not that wasn't the case. But yeah, I was I was also really you know
1: confused by that because it doesn't seem like he'd be the type of guy with character issues. And one thing that I like him. the Steelers fit is that obviously with the Matt Canada connection him being the quarterback coach there and Tomlin's son playing for the Maryland team I would think that they know a lot about McFarland's background and the character concerns that were brought up by whoever probably
0: weren't much of an issue for them so this this running back room in Pittsburgh is, is pretty crowded and we mentioned not really a star to emerge so with James Conner and Benny Snell, Jalen Samuels, these are all guys that kind of have like. Well, I guess James Conner is yeah. the guy out of those three, but the other two have had roles and and play a certain role with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But do you guys see McFarland being able to get involved in the in the rotation when he if if he makes this roster? I definitely think he will be
1: very involved. I mean, maybe not the first couple games, but I think he's really gonna. Carve himself a nice role with the Steelers. When you look at the guys in their backfield, we've already touched on Connor a bunch. Seems like he's the guy, right now. But running the NFL it, tomorrow, he couldn't be. So I mean, there's such turnover at that position in the NFL. And then Snell had a little bit of an opportunity last year. He didn't, you know, jump off the page, but you know, definitely someone that they like there and was had success at Kentucky. And then with Daniels, he a different kind of back. I think they more so use him in more of like a fullback role. He's in there for he's a bigger guy. He's in there for more sh- short yardage situations. So I think his skill set and McFarland's don't really, you know, compare that much. So I don't think that Samuels is going to be a guy taking away carries from McFarland. I think McFarland is going to have a much different role for this team and someone who could definitely, you know, come out of the backfield and get catches as well.
2: I think it's a really ideal fit. Because, I mean, if you look at the 40 times of everyone on in that running back room, McFarland is the fastest. And, you know, we mentioned the other guys are a bit more of just, you know, heavier guys that are going to bully their way through. But I think the big plus for McFarland here is, you know, Connor will probably take that primary role the first year. But I think there's really a spot for McFarland to come in as the number two back and get a lot of snaps and work his way up but not have that pressure on him as a rookie. And then you have James Conner becoming a free agent in 2021. So I think there's a really uh, great setup for McFarlane to, you know, get his snaps and prove himself as a rookie and even have that chance to be that number one guy in just his second year in the league. And I think that's just such an ideal situation for him.
1: You know, later in this podcast, we have Brooke Pryor on who's the ESPN uh, reporter for the Steelers. And she said she was surprised that the Steelers didn't take a running back earlier in the draft. And I was surprised as well. And I think that probably speaks to what they think of McFarland. I think that, you know, like you said, Connor's going to become a free agent and has had his injury issues. So I think that by drafting McFarland, it seems like someone that they really trust and they have faith in to, you know,
0: maybe be that guy in Pittsburgh at the running back position down the road. And if you had to compare Anthony McFarland style at running back to somebody that's currently in the NFL or maybe not, not, we'll we'll go with overall in the NFL, but someone that has played in the NFL or is currently who, who's the comparison for you guys? Hmm. It's a tough question. Um, I think I'm going to go with a a little bit a faster and a little bit less powerful. Chris Ivory who uh, was with the Jets for a while. That's where, that's where I, I watched him mostly, but he, he was a, just a fast guy that was just able to cut and, and just just change directions, and that's kind of what McFarlane does. He just, once he breaks out, and it's just, he, he can run, and we saw it against Ohio State. That's what everyone was talking about on the draft. That was, like, where most of his highlights came from, that Ohio State game in the 2018 season, where he, I think he had over 200-something yards, and he exploded for the first two runs were like 80 something yard touchdown run and a 70 something yard touchdown run. So when he gets out and is able to cut those, those just change direction and break out in, in free space, he he really can't be caught up to, I mean, he's so, he's just fast. He's faster than the secondary and he's able to get by them. And I think if in the NFL, he's bound to put on more weight uh, than he did in college, I think just by, by the working out and just every day focusing on only football i think he could become more of a powerful guy as well
1: one guy thinking about it one guy that i think his game reminds me of is maybe a little bit of miles sanders we saw what he did with the eagles last year he was a rookie last year and you know came on a little slower obviously as a rookie worked a lot in the passing game and just a real fast runner and i I could see McFarlane having a similar role to what he had in Philadelphia with uh, Pittsburgh this year. Uh,
2: yeah, I don't know about a comparison. I mean, I think it's also hard just because, like, I feel like we didn't see him at his true self last year, except for really that last game. But I think just the point about the speed, I mean, Le'Veon, he ran a faster 40 than Le'Veon Bell did. I believe Le'Veon Bell, from what I'm reading, read a 4-6 when he was drafted. I mean, we talked about other guys on that team. James Conner was at a four-six-five. Um, just some of the other guys in the room weren't as fast so I think that's really just a big aspect for him I mean he's really just a guy that can find space and make explosive plays and I think that's definitely um, going to serve him well
0: So now we'll switch gears go to the defensive side uh, the second player taken out of Maryland also yeah. by the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers Antoine Brooks and another guy that I think could find a a place on this Steelers roster and really make some noise. I think he's, he fell a little bit in my opinion in this draft. I I didn't see him really going this far at the 198th overall pick, but uh, um, what do you guys just think about him overall?
2: Well, I was going to ask you guys, I wanted us to discuss what surprised you most for, from the draft. And for me, what surprised me most was how far he fell. Um, there were 16 safeties selected before him, and I get that. You know, Brooks is not a true safety, but I think he just offers so much to a team with the different positions he's been able to play on the field, the leader that he's shown, um, and just his you know hunger and passion. And so, I was really surprised to see him end up falling that far. Um, I think it's just going to be interesting seeing how he fits. On this roster where he finds a spot on the defense, I personally think that he's best when he's kind of like at you know a nickel position. Um, I don't think he's the best in when he's you know in deep coverage. I think he's really good in that you know short area, he's really good at defending the run. So, I think it'll be interesting to see where he ends up, and we'll get insight on that from Brooke in a little bit. Um, but were you guys, I mean, Matt, you mentioned you were surprised to see him fall that far. What did you think about that, Jordan? Were you expecting him to go? Earlier?
1: Um, I was I was expecting him to go earlier. I it's funny. I thought after reading the character concerns and like some bad press about McFarland, I was like, hmm, maybe Brooks is gonna be the first serp taken at the start of day three. And then right as I was thinking that I see mcfarland come off the board. But I I was surprised to see Brooks fall and I I thought he was more of a fourth or fifth round guy. And I think the Steelers again, it's a great fit for him, a great culture there, and I think that
0: he'll uh, have some success there.
2: I think just. And, uh, sorry, go ahead, Matt. I,
0: sorry, Lyle. I I just agree with you. I think he's he's more of, or he's better when he's in the nickel spot and just kind of in between that secondary linebacker, air. just in the in the middle. Honestly, just like the the biggest question with him, I, I heard from just saw online and, and just kind of researching just his his ability to cover guys. And I think that was the biggest concern for him. And But also, if you look at it, the thing, the things that draft um, scouts were saying that was best for Antoine Brooks was his ability to cover the run and stop the run. And some were saying that he's the best uh, secondary guy that can stop the run in the entire draft. That's what I was hearing from just some sources online and, and different scouts that we're talking about him. But I I think that if he finds his role, whether it's – I personally think that that's his best spot. So I think that will be where he finds his role. And being so versatile, I think they'll be able to use him in that spot. And when they need a big play to stop a run, toss him in there, see what he can do. But um, I think that it's going to take some time for both these guys, but I think they're built for – finding a spot on this team and doing some good things with it
2: I think they can both find a spot I think that with McFarland, there's more of I see it more mapped out of bit. like I, I definitely see him carving out a role and becoming one of the top guys in the position there I think it might be a bit more of a climb for Brooks just you know getting you don't know how much time they're going to be ending up having before the season we don't really know the timeline with everything going on with coronavirus and so I think he's a guy that they're going to want to see in practice and see where they want him to fit. And I think, I think it'll be interesting to see where he finds his spot. I think he'll definitely make the roster. But of those two, I think that it's more clear right now how McFarlane fits. And for me right now, it's not as obvious where on the field they're going to be having Brooks play.
1: I agree with uh, what you're saying, that there's more of a clear – role and path for McFarland to, you know, making an impact. But like Matt said, Brooks is great with stopping the run and playing in a division where you have to face Lamar Jackson and the rushing attack of the Ravens twice. That's why I was unhappy about because I'm a Ravens
2: fan. I was that's I really wanted the Ravens to get Brooks and I saw the Steelers got him. You have both turps go to the Steelers and I was like, well, I guess I guess I'm going to be talking about the Steelers a lot more than I normally would. And and then I realized, Oh wait, like he could actually be good at stopping uh, what the Ravens do best. So I think that's going to be, you're right. I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that for the Steelers, after you watch games last year, I mean, their number one priority for years to come is going to be stopping Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. So, and a, a team that's so focused on rushing, I think that you need to, build your defense and your game plan around that somewhat. So I think that Brooks is a really good fit. And I think they'll definitely have some success next year in special teams. That's for sure.
2: Right. And so now there's a big Maryland Steelers connection. Now five Terps on the roster. You've got running back Trey Edmonds, defensive lineman Kayvon Walker, who just signed from the XFL and offensive lineman Duran Gray, all on that 90 man roster. And then of course you have Brooks and McFarland, as we mentioned, being reunited with Matt Canada, who is Maryland's interim head coach in 2018, and is now a quarterback coach there. And then you know you have the connection with Mike and because uh, Dino Tomlin, you know, played at Maryland. They've said that there wasn't contact, but obviously he watched him play and things like that. Because of that, um, so I think it's just really interesting um, to have five Terps on the roster for one team. I mean, we'll see if the guys make it, and we're about to have Brooke on to talk about that, about but. That. It's, it's crazy that you have that right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's – it's it, – I never really noticed that in terms of, of drafting, but we've seen it all over professional sports now. You have the Connecticut Sun with Kyla Charles, Alyssa Thomas, and Brianna Jones. You have uh, Quentin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs now both in Buffalo. Um, the the Terp line Hawks, we talked about that all of, N- of the NBA season – there's just so many different connections, and it never really went as deep as the Steelers does. And, and I think that's it, – it's almost it, – it's nice to see kind of with Brooks and McFarlane reuniting with Canada. I think that uh, Canada's the quarterback coach there. He really has nothing to – I mean, he still does have something to do with the offense, but – and and that's for McFarlane. But he's not the running back coach. He's not in the secondary with Brooks. So just him being able to give his – fellow staff members and fellow coaches uh, insight on these two guys and and for them to trust him and take a chance on on McFarlane and Brooks I think that speaks louder than actually drafting these guys just it just I think that actions speak louder than words and, and and these are actions that you don't really see too much in sports because this connection goes way deeper than anything I've seen So now we're joined by Brooke Pryor, the ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Brooke, thanks for joining us. How are you today?
3: Pretty good. It was uh, sunny in Pittsburgh today, which was a miracle because it feels like it rains every day. So maybe we're, I don't know, into actual spring now.
0: (laughs) Sunny in New York as well. But for those of our listeners that that aren't as familiar, can you just give us a rundown of the guys in the Steelers running back room and what was kind of missing there last year?
3: So that's the interesting thing is they were definitely missing something, um, whether that was a completely healthy lead running back, uh, featured back, or you know an infusion of speed. Right now, their featured back is still James Conner, the guy from Pitt. Um, they have Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell, who was a draft pick last year. Um, they have Carith White. They have um, trying to think. They up with so many different guys. Uh, I throughout the trade played a little bit, but the main three were Jalen Samuels, James Conner, and uh, Benny Snell were kind of the the core group last year.
2: And now, with taking Anthony McFarland Jr. with that fourth round pick, um, what kind of role do you see him having? You know, with that group on the team.
3: So that's the interesting thing is they. I wasn't sure if they would take a running back or when they would take one in this draft, it kind of seemed like if they were going to add a guy, it would be with that first pick and get a guy like Cam Akers or, um, or JK Dobbins. They were both available, but instead they went with a receiver and then decided to address the running back with the second pick that they had. Um, and that was Anthony McFarland Jr. Maybe it was the third pick. Um, everything is running together, but I think that he is a good fit for this room because he's so fast. Uh, That is not something that they necessarily have in the room at this point um, or didn't have before the draft. They had guys that would, you know, run into contact and and break through it as much as they could, obviously. Uh, But they were bruisers. They didn't really have anybody that was built for speed. Um, Kareth White was the guy that most – closely gave them that. Um, he was a guy that they brought in in the middle of the year when they had injuries to the running back group, when James Conner was hurt again and Jalen Samuels had an injury, Benny Snell had knee surgery. Um, and so I, I thought it was interesting that they went with a speed guy, knowing that they kind of had that in Kareth White. Um, but I think that they just wanted someone who maybe they felt better about being that addition uh, to the room and. I think that it is notable that he is a Maryland guy and Mike Tomlin has his son, Dino, who plays on the football team. And even though Anthony McFarland said, no, I've never talked to Mike Tomlin at a Maryland practice. We never interacted there. You have to think that at some point Mike saw him because he was watching Dino and, and that plus having Matt Canada on staff. Now Matt was familiar with him from when they played together at Maryland. And Anthony said that he was like a father figure to him the year that they were together. So I think that their familiarity coupled with the speed really made them uh, pull the trigger on him.
1: So switching gears a little bit to the Steelers fifth round pick Antoine Brooks. Um, so he's played all over the field, really linebacker. He's played in nickel safety of those three positions. Where do you think the Steelers biggest need is and where do you think he will be playing next year? Most of the time.
3: So the Steelers have, in those areas, the biggest need inside linebacker. Um, I thought that that was their biggest need going into the draft. It felt like they released Mark Barron. He was one of their starters last year. Um, And they have Devin Bush, who they moved up in the draft to get last year. Um, And then they have Vince Williams, whose role was really reduced last year. Um, he, He was still really effective, but his snap count just went down because they played Devin Bush more and played Mark Barron alongside him. And so it felt like the Steelers would want to get someone that they could pair with Devin Bush to be two of their every down inside linebackers. Um, I thought they'd target someone like Jacob Phillips from LSU. He ended up coming off the board, I think earlier than they anticipated. Um, And it doesn't seem like Antoine Brooks will be used in that role. I know that he did play some linebacker, but when we talked with, Um, Kevin Colbert the GM and Mike Tomlin and then the uh, secondary coach Terrell Austin they all said he'll be a safety in our defense and maybe they could use him in a hybrid role but it it felt like they were pretty firm in saying that he is a safety um, at least right now and maybe that changes when they bring him in uh, and see him with everybody else I think at some point they're going to move somebody from the secondary into that inside linebacker hybrid role maybe it's Terrell Edmonds Maybe it ends up being Antoine Brooks, but um, I was surprised that they made that pick of him. I think that they really like those versatile guys, but I thought that they would go with a true inside linebacker. And instead I think they get someone who can maybe free up another guy to move into that inside linebacker role that they already have on the roster.
0: So do you see, as far as Brooks is concerned, do you see him being able to carve out a role in that defense, whether it's in the secondary or or at the linebacker spot or, do you really see him playing more on special teams?
3: I think right now he's more of a special teams guy. I think that that they have their guys for the defense outside of, you know, trying to find that inside linebacker. And maybe they just play Vince Williams more and they let Terrell Edmonds stay uh, as the strong safety. And Minka, obviously, is free safety. Um, but I, I think right now he's going to be a special teams guy. And they really like drafting special teams guys, um, especially because they lost. A couple uh so I think right now his best leading on the field will be special teams and maybe eventually he'll work his way into the defense.
2: Right, and so with those draft picks of McFarlane Brooks, you have you know five terps on the roster, most of any team in the league. Um on the 90-man roster with you know running back Trey Edmonds, uh defensive lineman uh Kayvon Walker, who they just signed from the XFL and then offensive lineman Durham Gray. Um, What chances do you see of all five of those guys, you know, making the final roster, and, you know, what roles do you see them having?
3: You know, I think that definitely their two draft picks will make the final roster. Um, Von Walker, I think, is a really interesting guy. It's funny because I covered the Chiefs in the 2018 season, and he was with the Chiefs briefly, and so when I saw – when I got a text that he was signing, I was like, why is that guy so familiar and I realized that I had seen him briefly with the Chiefs, but they have a real need at defensive tackle, at least depth-wise. They had Javon Hargrave, who stepped up for Stevon Tewitt last year, and I think that they really want to fill in with some quality depth because they saw just how valuable Javon would be when Tewitt went down. So I think Walker has a really good chance. I know that they did draft a defensive tackle in the seventh round, so he'll kind of be going, I think, head-to-head with him for a spot. Um, Trey Edmonds – I think that, A, he's helped out by the fact that his brother is on the team. Um, the Steelers love brothers. They love guys with NFL legacy or, you know, un- an uncle in the league or a cousin in the league. It's it's funny how many of those connections they have, but between the Edmonds brothers, they have the Watt brothers. Um, two of their draft picks this year are twin brothers who their twins both play football, so it's kind of weird the family ties that the Steelers really like, but I do think that, that Trey Edmonds can and be a member of the roster. I think that we'll have to see how the rest of of the running back room shakes out. But they really liked what he was able to do last year. Um, You know, I I think he was a pretty good contributor on special teams also. So so I think he has a good chance. Um, The offensive lineman, probably not. And then who is – am I forgetting someone?
2: Uh, Just the last one was Derwin Gray, who I think started some games for him last year at offensive line.
3: Okay. Um I don't think so as far as I know, because they just they also drafted um another lineman, Kevin Dotson. So I think that he'll end up getting the priority. But it is funny to see how many Maryland guys I didn't realize that there were so many on the roster with, you know, just Mike Tomlin's connection to Maryland, now Matt Canada. So seems like we've got a, a mini Maryland here in Pittsburgh.
2: Right. And Maryland's now got their offensive coordinator who started his career as a wideouts coach there too. So we've got the connection and uh, we really appreciate you joining us and taking the time.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
2: So while those guys were the only two drafted, uh, you have three, four Turks, sorry, right now that I've signed as undrafted free agents. The first of which was Javon Leak uh, signing with the New York Giants. Uh, he, he, you know, spent his high school years in Greensboro, North Carolina, but was born and spent a lot of his childhood in New York. So he'll be going back to that area. And, you know, he was another surprise for me. I think that um, I saw him maybe going in anywhere from the fifth to seventh round. I know he wasn't projected in all mock drafts, but I didn't really see him going undrafted until it kind of started to take place. And I think um, a big thing that hurt him was, uh, was having that pro day canceled. Cause while he did have the combine, um, he talked to us on the podcast was saying how tight he felt that day. And I mean, he ran a four, six, five, I think we all know, but he's faster than that. We've seen him in games on the kick return. And so do you guys think that ended up hurting him and was maybe part of why he wasn't drafted?
1: I definitely think for him and for a lot of prospects losing that pro day and you know, those face-to-face interactions, you know, at team facilities really hurt. And I I don't know if that was the reason why he didn't get drafted, but it certainly doesn't help. But I, I like this landing spot with the Giants, and I think he'll have a decent shot at making the roster. Obviously, he's not going to be a starting running back to the Giants anytime soon with Saquon Barkley as the main horse there in their backfield. But they also had they added – Deion Lewis uh, this offseason, who's more used in the passing game. And then they also have Wayne Gallman, who looked decent last year when Saquon Barkley was hurt. And then there's not much else after that. So I think there is a chance for Javon Lee, a good chance for Javon Lee to sneak onto this roster. And I think that his ability as a kicker turner, as we saw in Maryland, could definitely help and uh, get him on the roster with his uh, special teams.
0: Yeah, Lilo, when you bring up the, the biggest surprise, this was for me, him going undrafted. Um, I thought he just, as Jordan just mentioned, his ability to return the football on special teams, and he was named the Big Ten uh, Return Specialist of the Year in 2019. So, I mean, there was just times where he would just not even get touched on special teams and return, uh, return kicks for touchdowns, and I think that will help him definitely – that will definitely help him try to get on this, this roster. And uh, Jordan mentioned Saquon Barkley, Deion Lewis, and the, the other guy I think is is a lock to make this roster in running back for the Giants is Wayne Gallman. Yeah. Just because he's been there for just quite a while. Um, and then I really think Leak could sneak up to that four or five spot and uh, that will be catapulted by his special teams ability. I think he could – come in and just, I, I think he could get time as a kick returner, or a punt returner in the NFL right away. I mean, that's how special he was at, to watch at that, at that position.
2: Yeah. I think that, I think he definitely can have a role there right away in terms of special teams. And that's something that he's really good at and is a position that could help the giants a lot. And um, while there's a lot of competition in that running back room, I think he can really carve out his niche there and build off of that. Um, We've seen his ability there. But I think, you know, you also can't forget just the fact that, you know, he is a guy who has big playability, who led the Big Ten with 7.22 yards per carry last year. Um, And I think that's something that gets forgotten is, you know, I think Maryland football as a whole was very underwhelming last year, but he was a guy that you know, would get people excited that you were just left saying, wow, after certain plays. And there wasn't a lot you could say about that in a positive way about Maryland football last year. And I think that Leak was one of those guys. And um, I really think that he's being overlooked a bit. I think he is really going to be a steal for the Giants at this position.
1: I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. We mentioned how Anthony McFarlane kind of had a rough sophomore season. He was hindered by injury and, it seemed like he was playing hurt a good bit Javon Leak was the opposite I mean he was incredible I mean he was really probably their best player and it's not even close and like you said I mean he was the excitement to this team and it just to see how well he played and you mentioned led the big 10 and um you know yards per carry I mean I think that it is really surprising that he didn't get drafted I I personally pegged him as you know a fifth or sixth round guy and to see him not get drafted was very surprising.
2: I mean, yeah, because you think about the Big Ten and you've got some of the best defensive guys, you know, you see so many defensive guys coming out of Ohio State and, uh, you know, Penn State and Michigan, and he was able to average, you know, have the best average in the league against guys like that, you know, playing in the Big Ten East, and I think that says a lot. And yeah,
0: then, that's among among some of the best competition you see in, leading the the Big Ten in, in yards per carry, that, that shows I mean, and, and Jordan just said it, too, is he was their best skill player. I completely agree with that. I don't really think there's anyone that was close. I mean, I think Jay Sean Jones could have been close if he, if he was healthy, but he missed the whole season to injury. So there really wasn't a, a highlight guy except for Leak, and, and he was able to do some big things. He won an award – a big 10 award, I think he can do. And if he works really hard at this, I really do think he has a good shot to make the giants roster.
2: And then the other free agent signings that we'll just touch on a little bit. Uh, you had Keandre Jones going to the Chicago bears, uh, leaving, putting two Terps on that roster, joining another Terp linebacker and Josh woods. Um, that's going to be a tough linebacker room to break into. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he makes that fit there. But I think he was another standout for the Terps. I think, in my opinion, he and Antoine Brooks are really the only two like reliable players on that defense. You know, you had um, other guys like Ely step in and you had uh, Nick Cross really come to his own later in the year. But those were the two guys on that defense that you could just rely on all the time to make big plays. And um, I'm really interested to see if he can fight to make his way onto that roster. And I think regardless, if he makes that team or not, he'll be able to get a lot of good mentorship with the linebackers in that room.
0: Yeah. In my opinion, he's a pro and I, whether it's with the bears or not, I think he finds his way onto a team in some capacity at some point, whether, whether it's this year or he has to wait, but, I do think he's a pro, and I think he has the experience of of winning. And he he won at Ohio State. He was able to come to Maryland, and he was a captain in his only year as, as a Terp. I think that adds on to his ability to create plays on defense. And you said they relied on him so much, and they really did. I mean, he was always there. It seemed like always around where the ball is and where the tackle was made and that's the same thing with brooks so i i I think whether it's with the bears or not he should find his way onto a team
1: i agree with you of these i mean besides leak of these undrafted free agents i think he has the best chance to latch on with an nfl roster and i think it's funny you bring up josh woods and that they're on the same team because i think he could you know Follow that same path that Woods did of, you know, practice squad that first year and then potentially cracking a roster the second year. Also, you know, maybe if he plays well, he could take Josh Woods' roster spot. You never know. I mean, it's a really crowded linebacker group in Chicago. And I think it's an uphill battle for Keandra Jones, but he's a really good player. And I agree with what you guys are saying. I think he's definitely a pro at some point, but it might not be on an active roster next year.
2: Or, you know, if he does make the roster, I could see him, you know, working his way onto special teams and having an impact there too. Cause I think I, I, I can see him making the roster. I think it will be really hard, but I think with just his work, the work ethic I've seen from him and his drive, I think he does have a real shot to make that roster as crowded as that room is. And then another guy who was undrafted uh, and signed was Tino Ellis to the New Orleans Saints. Um, We didn't get to see him much last year because he had that upper body uh, injury. I honestly didn't know if he was going to end up even being able to sign somewhere. Do you guys think he's going to be able to stay on that team?
0: That's hard. Uh, It's hard to say because he didn't really have...
2: Like, I feel like I haven't seen him play in so long, you know?
0: Right. He, He didn't... His tape, at least in my opinion... From this 2019 year it was not great, and then he the got temple game was so bad. Year. So I think the only interesting thing that I, I found was um, the Saints in March they hired a former Maryland defensive passing game co- coordinator and cornerbacks coach Corey Robinson. Uh, he's now the Saints' assistant secondary coach, and this was just last year he was uh, he worked with with Maryland. So he he only worked with them one year. And I'm assuming that he had a good relationship with Tino Ellis and that's what brought him to New Orleans because that's his position coach from Maryland. I mean, I I don't really I don't know if he finds his way onto the roster, but that's only it's just a matter of like if he is able to show his best talent because he didn't really show that in during the season
2: in 2019. And part of me wonders, I mean, that injury was never really made that clear. Part of me, you know, always wondered if maybe that was something that existed earlier on in the season and was hindering his ability because he he did look really good the year prior and he did make impact plays the year prior, but this past season and the time he was on the field, like that Temple game was just really not good. He had some really, really bad misplays against Temple and just kind of looked off for a, a lot of the year when he was playing for Maryland. I mean, he looked good to start the year, but then, you know, that game against Temple and maybe a little bit after that, he didn't look great. So I wonder if that injury was still kind of lingering was something that was already forming. And so I think for me, it's just feels like I haven't seen him play healthy in so long. And I'm really interested to see what he can do when he's healthy because there's no denying that he has talent. It's just, I feel like we haven't really seen it manifested and even seen him play in a while.
1: Gino Ellis of this undrafted group is really fascinating to me because like you said, he had a really strong junior year and I want to say maybe flirted with the idea of declaring for the draft after that. And then comes back and has, you know, a tough senior year. Someone who that before that senior year, you know, was appearing in mock drafts uh, in the uh, day three rounds. And I, I think thought he was going to leave the, What's that?
2: I thought he was gonna leave. I was surprised that he came back. I feel like I feel like it would have been the better move for him to leave after that junior year.
1: Yeah, and I mean I think that the ability's there. He really struggled with that injury, but I like the fit with you know Corey Robinson going down there, and same similar case with Keandre Jones. I don't know if it's this year that he cracks the roster, but I definitely think he has potential to make a practice
0: squad. That's for sure.
2: And this last guy, Tyler Mabry, at tight end going to the Seattle Seahawks, is the guy, in my opinion, that I don't see staying on a roster. Um, You know, just with the Seahawks, they picked up Greg Olson uh, in this offseason, and then they drafted another tight end in the fourth round. They've got a huge uh, tight end room there, and it's not even a position that they've really used that much in the past. Um, I don't know. I just think that that was an interesting choice for him to go to them in free agency because it seems like a rumor there isn't really a spot to crack.
1: I agree with you. I I looked at the Seahawks' depth chart before this, and right now they have listed six tight ends, and that's not including Tyler Mavery. So it's, he's got six guys ahead of him to beat out at a position that doesn't normally go that deep on the depth chart. So I would say the odds are definitely – really stacked against him they got greg olson will disley was having an incredible season before he got injured last year and uh Mm -hmm. jacob hollister was um he was a decent player once uh disley got hurt last year so you know it's it's a pretty deep and talented group they have there and i think it's an uphill battle for mabry
2: and i feel like he could have i think it's interesting where you see mabry go because Early in the season, you saw Mike Loxley using the tight end room a lot. And after those first like three or four games, it just wasn't used as much. And I think that you could have seen him go higher if they continue to use that tight end uh, group more. Because I think he really did show a lot of talent at the beginning of that year. He had a really good career at Buffalo. I think he's a very talented player. I just don't think he got necessarily the exposure he needed and the touches he needed last year. And I also just don't think this is the right team fit for him. I could see him maybe making a roster, a different roster after, you know, a year or two, but I just don't think this is an ideal fit. I mean, do you guys see him finding his way onto another team at some point?
0: I mean, he has the skill, he has the talent to, to be in the NFL, and he's older also. He did five years of high school, five years of college. So he, he's, I mean, he, he doesn't really need that, development that younger guys would need if they declared early. So I think that's a positive for him, but just I don't know with with the six tight ends on the roster. I think it could maybe he gets cut and then during the year he gets an opportunity if somebody gets hurt on whether it's with the Seahawks or a different team. I could see something like that happening. But uh it's kind of the same thing with Keandre Jones. I think they both have they, they both have a good enough skill set to, to play in the NFL or, or not necessarily play in the NFL, but make a team in my opinion.
2: And one thing I wanted to talk about, we're going to talk about, you know, just some other offseason moves for other troops. But one thing that also shocked me in this draft uh, was some moves by the Detroit Lions and how that's going to affect Ty Johnson. They drafted two running backs in this draft. Um, and I think that could be very bad news for Ty Johnson. What did you guys think about that choice of them? I mean, you rarely see a team select two running backs in one draft, especially when they took one year prior.
0: Yeah, and they also took DeAndre Swift. So as as a number one guy, I think – or he was rated the number one running back to some guys. Others it was maybe two or three. But I think it's probably not the best news for Ty Johnson. Now he's going to have to work a lot harder to make this team. But uh, I think I think with Swift, a running back like that, it, it's hard for for Ty Johnson to, to kind of continue to try and make this roster now because Swift was such a high running back prospect. So I think if it was in the, in the later rounds, they took two running backs, it would still have an impact but not as great. Uh, of an impact as it, it will because it's DeAndre Swift
2: Do you think they I could agree with him? you I think that
0: uh,
1: Ty Johnson's days in Detroit are probably numbered I mean they have Swift they have on Johnson still they took a running back later in the draft and then also last year Ty Johnson was given the opportunity to you know have the keys to that running back position there when on Johnson got hurt and he did not do well and they brought in Bo Scarborough, and he played a lot better than Ty Johnson. And I think if Bo Scarborough is still around, you'd have to think he has the priority over Ty Johnson. I just think that they're probably just running out of roster spots at that position. So I think that Ty Johnson's time in Detroit is probably uh, coming to an end.
2: I mean, but he is on a contract, though, correct?
1: Yes, like but for a 6th round pick, I mean, there's yeah. not much of a cap hit if they were to cut him
2: do you see them possibly trying to trade him somewhere?
1: Probably, probably doesn't have the type of value to, you know, get traded. I think if the team wants him, they'll, they'll know that they could probably get him as a free agent if he were to be cut.
2: Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. And then, you know, the big trade that we never have a chance to talk about here is, you know, with Stefan Diggs going to the bills. And now you've got, as we mentioned, two players there, cause Quinn and Jefferson was traded there as well. What do you guys think about that fit?
1: I, I loved this fit for Stefan Diggs. I think it is a awesome situation for him. It seemed like he was unhappy in Minnesota. We had talked, you know, during the season about Stefan Diggs being, you know, a real cryptic online and, you know, maybe hinting at wanting out of Minnesota. And he had some, it was an up and down year for Stefan Diggs if you look at the uh stats it was one of his better years in terms of the yardage but in terms of receptions his receptions were way down and you know he had some especially start season he had some real tough games where he just wasn't seeing the ball and Minnesota's an offense that is you know real run oriented and they also have Adam Thielen there so you know to get out of Thielen's shadow and to get into an offense that's more pass-heavy I think this is a great move, Stephon Diggs, and he becomes the number one guy there. John Brown's a really good receiver, but I think Diggs is a lot better than him. And I just, I love the fit with Josh Allen's rocket arm and Stefan Diggs' speed. I think that that's, you know, going to be a great duo next year and one that likely could see them uh,
0: winning the AFC East. Yeah, I think this was the piece the Bills needed to now get past the Tom Brady list. It's Patriots I guess you could say now uh, the Patriots not really the favorite to, to win that division as they do really every year but uh, I, I really like you mentioned the speed of Diggs and our strength of Josh Allen I think that goes really well together. get two deep balls to Diggs um, and I like how you brought up how we spoke about it during the, the NFL season was all the stuff on social media we saw whether we didn't we didn't really know if he was going to be traded in the middle of the year. We didn't know what was going on. It was so secretive almost. And then Diggs came out and kind of said like he really liked Kirk Cousins in the end. That was like two weeks after we saw all this controversy. So we really didn't know what was going on. But I think now this is a much better fit for Stefan Diggs to really thrive in a wide receiver one role.
2: And then they also picked up Jake Fromm late, so that'll be interesting. I mean, I think Josh Allen is obviously their number one guy. What do you think about how he is as a quarterback compared to the room that uh, Diggs is coming from?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, Kirk Cousins. People have a lot of opinions about Kirk Cousins and the money that he makes and the uh, quality of play that he puts out on the field. But, I mean, he's a decent quarterback, but I think that Josh Allen just fits – Stefan Diggs' skill set way more, and I think that this Bills' offense is going to be great for Stefan Diggs. And you mentioned Jake Fromm. I mean, I, Jake Fromm it was a the very solid quarterback at Georgia, but I don't see him taking any time away from yeah. Josh Allen. But Josh Allen, Josh Allen is a mobile quarterback, and he has seen his fair share of injuries already in his two years in the pros. So I do think that. Jake Fromm will definitely have some time in relief of Josh Allen if he gets done a run or something like that. But, I mean, this is, this is Josh Allen's yeah. team for sure.
2: And then, Jordan, a player that you've been following very closely, you want to tell us the latest that's going on with Yannick Ngakwe?
1: Ngakwe, you know, it's really been boiling over since last offseason – got away, held out of Jags training camp for a couple weeks, ended up reporting, um, seemed to want a contract extension, but didn't seem like the Jags were willing to give him one yet. See plays out the season, has a fairly good season, doesn't make the Pro Bowl, but a good season. Uh, Jags used their franchise tag on him, and he immediately demanded a trade after that. It's been a real... You know, whirlwind for Ngakwe. He's been very vocal about wanting a trade on Twitter and social media, even getting in a bit of a fight with one of the Jags' co owners, Tony Khan. And then after the draft, it seemed like the Jags tried to trade him, but the GM, Dave Caldwell, said that, you know, they put their best foot forward in terms of trying to get a trade for Ngakwe. And you know, he says he hopes that he sees the light that Jacksonville is a good spot and can, could end up being uh, his only option at the end of the day, which I thought were strong words. And, you know, he went on further to say that they didn't even get an offer for Ngakwe that they even really entertained. And I think that that's part of that's, that's partly on Ngakwe with the way he's handled himself throughout this whole saga. I think that, you know, voicing how badly you want to be out and really, you know, making it so public and a bit of a saga, I think that that did not help Ngakwe at all. And, you know, we're looking at a situation where if things don't change, it's probably going to hold out of the entire training camp. And I think that after that, I don't know, we've seen some training camp trades for holdouts that it's not uncommon. So it could be something that happens in training camp, but it seems like the Jags, know what they want for Ngakwe, which is a, you know, a top half first round pick. And at least at this point, they did not want to, uh, you know, get anything less for Ngakwe. And that's why he's still on the team.
0: And I think it's a disadvantage for both guys, or Ngakwe, to, to act like this. And just the Jaguars in general, because you mentioned they want a lot in a trade package. And other teams are seeing that is not going to play for the Jaguars. They're not going to offer as, as much as they would if he, if he was going to play. That he's not going to not gonna offer as much as the Jaguars are going to want. And that's where this gets interesting to me. Um, I just think that the Jaguars, just based on seeing it all over social media, I think the Jaguars are better off getting a trade done as soon as they can because and, yeah. I think both parties are going to talk more and more and I think it's just not a great look when a player and an owner are going at each other on Twitter. Uh, I don't think that's professional from both sides but um, I think it's just necessary to move on and, and I think after that it'll all be calm from both sides.
2: And there's no denying, you know, his talent. I think he can have an impact no matter what team he would would go to. And I was kind of surprised that they said that thing about not getting any good offers because I feel like he could really help out a lot of teams in this league. So that'll definitely be something interesting to follow.
0: So thank you for joining us on our first Terps in the Pros episode back from this hiatus of sports, I guess you could call it. And, We'll be back uh, in the future. We don't know when, but definitely with an NBA draft uh, podcast at, at some point. But thank you for tuning into this episode of Terps and the Pros on the Testudo Times Podcast Network.